16 to 25. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But a fruit but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. And since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. This is the word of the Lord. So we're going through Galatians. Um, we're coming to towards the end of Galatians. Let's pray that God will speak to us uh, through this passage. Lord, we give you great praise and thanks that um, you make human words your words, um, that you speak. Um, and we pray that these written words will become living words that speak to us and words that help us to see the greatness of what you've done. And we pray that as you speak, our lives will be transformed. In Jesus' name, amen. So these words are taken straight from uh, the mission statement of one of the top Christian schools in Hong Kong. It says, It exists to provide opportunities for development of good character based on Christian principles, and students are expected to have the following qualities. Trustworthiness, sense of responsibilities, fairness and considerateness, to cultivate a self-respect and self-esteem through relevant activities so that each student can be a man of integrity, discipline, devotion, industriousness, courage, and gratitude. It really is a great thing for a school to try to produce people of great character. It's understandable that in many ways, in a government-subsidized school, even a Christian school's goal is limited to forming character based on Christian principles. But this is the hope that I have, that none of us misunderstand what being a Christian is about and what being a sort of well-mannered and well-behaved people, that we don't confuse the two, that the mission of the church is not the same as mission of this school, even a Christian school. The church exists not to just form people's characters. Our goal is not to tell sinners that they should behave better. We're not simply a moral voice in Hong Kong society. In fact, the entire letter to the Galatians has been about this. Paul's been saying that Christianity is not about following the law. The sinners becoming better people because they obey the law. He's told us again and again to abandon the, the, the law, that the Spirit has come. Now we follow the law of the Spirit, not the law of the flesh. 
He's told us we're not children of the law, but children of the promise. That we're not children of the law, but children of faith. We're not children of the law, but children of Christ, adopted into his family through faith in Jesus Christ. The job of the church is not character formation. The job of the church is proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ. We point to Christ. But today, well, as he's done in chapter 5, the two are related. The character and faith are related. And it tells us that the character change that we see is not a superficial change. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, something bigger than cosmetic changes happen. Uh, Character improvement happen. It's not superficial things. What happens when we put our faith in Jesus Christ is we are born again. We're born again through the power of the Spirit. This is what happens when we put our faith in Christ. The Holy Spirit comes in our lives, and we, the Spirit makes us new people, people who desire different things, people who have different values. It's not superficial change in appearance. It's radical change from within. It's the beginning of new life. Remember what Jesus said to Nicodemus, the rabbi, the righteous rabbi who came in the middle of the night, to this man who was a very good man who tried to do everything that the law said. He says to this man, Nicodemus, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of the water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to uh, spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. To this man who's been living a good life, he says, look, you must be born again. You must be born of the spirit in order for you to enter the kingdom of God. Conversion is not something that we achieve by putting our by committing our lives to Christ. Conversion is something that God does in you as you commit your life to Christ. Conversion is something it's God's action, not your own. He changes us from within. He makes us new people. And here's the guarantee. This is how the character and the faith are related. That the, if you have, once you put your faith in Christ Jesus, God sends the Holy Spirit. And if you have the Spirit of Christ in you, you will bear the fruit of the Spirit. As we abide in Jesus, as we receive the Spirit, God will produce in our lives fruit of the Spirit. Just as apple tree produces apple, lemon tree produces lemons, Spirit of Christ produce, will produce in us spirit, uh, the, the fruit of the Spirit. And so Paul tells us that as we abide in Christ, these things, these characters will mark the Christian life. Take a look, verses 22 and 23. You might know this list very well, but fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These will become qualities and mark our lives. Even if you feel far away from it today, these will mark our lives. And these are different from what the, uh, the world teaches. Love is not a mere feeling, but commitment to serve one another, even at the cost of ourselves. That's love. Joy is not a bubbliness or a fake smile that you put on. 
when things are going bad, that sort of you go home and you crash. That's not joy. Joy is this quiet orientation towards thankfulness and praise, even when things are going bad, because we understand what Jesus has done and because we understand that Jesus is sovereign over our life. Peace is not aloofness that stays quiet and says, I don't care about things. That's not peace. Peace is understanding, once again, that God has, is in control over our life. Um, forbearance or patience, the ability to take troubles of life without blowing up. Kindness, not manipulative deeds. A lot of people are kind to other people because they want the other people to be kind to them. Kindness uh, of a Christian flows out of a deep relationship with Christ, deep security in Christ, knowing that Christ ma- uh, has done everything that uh, uh, that's necessary for us, that it comes out of the overflow of enjoying that relationship. Integrity, honesty and integrity that shows that... Um, that knows that only God's opinion matters. And so, therefore, we can speak in truth um, uh, in our life. Faithfulness, being reliable and committed without compromising the truth. Gentleness, not self-conscious sort of um, putting down of oneself, but self-forgetfulness, not thinking about ourselves so much. Self-control, not just iron discipline of our will, but ability to choose the important things, godly things over urgent and selfish things. These are the fruit of the Spirit. And Paul says against these, there is, there is no law. The law was given to curb our sinful nature. This is not necessary for these qualities. Spirit will start producing these things without limits. And he will do so in such a way that this, these qualities will become a constant a quality of our life, not a one-off thing that we have to think about constantly. And I'm sure you've done this if you're like me. You know, you've um, maybe um, put on a happy face when things are uh, bad. Well, that's not really joy, is it? That's a one-off thing that we do with our own effort. Or um, you've done, maybe given generously um, to a cause or something, um, to feel generous for uh, uh, ourselves. Um, And that's not generosity. That's just selfishness, self-righteousness guised as generosity. Paul is saying that if we abide in Christ, the spirit that God Christ has sent in us will produce these things in us so that they mark our lives constantly, that this will become a quality in our life that is constantly there. And this also comes in package. Did you notice how these are qualities um, packaged in one singular word called fruit? It says fruit of the Spirit, not fruits of the Spirit. Um, I am a, English is my second language, and I get nouns and verbs sometimes mixed up, and this is one of the reasons why I don't like listening to my own sermons, because I can pick this up. Um, that's not what Paul is doing here, right? Paul's not saying f- f- uh, fruit when he actually means fruits. He says fruit of the Spirit are all these different qualities because all these different qualities are the things that Spirit will produce in us as a package. They will grow together. And partly this is because some of these qualities cannot, you cannot have without some of the other qualities. For example, it's hard to be kind without being gentle and patient. It's hard to be joyful when one does, does not have that self, uh, the, the, the quality of peacefulness, having that peace. 
But also it's important that this is singular because it is saying that you cannot be satisfied with your sort of natural tendencies or natural character. Well, we can't say, I'm kind, so therefore that marks me as a, a person who has received the Holy Spirit. Um, uh, I can't say that I'm kind, so I will not um, think about self-control because I already have the Spirit. It's saying that you, know, you might be naturally kind, but you are not naturally self-controlled, and the Spirit will produce... Um, Spirit will produce uh, self-control in us as we do, as as the Spirit works in our life. You might not be naturally, you might be naturally joyful, but the evidence of the Holy Spirit working in you is that you might not be self, uh, you might not be a reliable person, but God is making you a reliable person. All of this comes in package together. Now I want to make sure that we all understand that Christianity is not about character formation. This is not our goal as such. But we are, when we put our faith in Christ, we are radically transformed. And when we are radically transformed by the power of the Spirit, the Spirit will produce these fruit in us. But even as you hear this, you might be going, well, I wonder if I have the Spirit in us, in me, because I don't have these qualities. You might even begin to question whether you are a Christian at all. I know that I'm not very patient. I'm not very self-controlled. Self-control is not my strength. There are too many days I spend my day off binge-watching TV. And there are days I wonder whether I'm a Christian at all. And, in fact... There are days when I identify more with the fruit of the, uh, the works of the flesh than fruit of the Spirit. Acts of the flesh are found in verse 19 to 21. It contains sins related to sexuality, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. We live in a world filled with pornography. Our thoughts are impure. There is indecency all around us. There are also spiritual sins like idolatry and witchcraft, which is alive and well in Hong Kong. The next category of sins, sins of relationships, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, are, 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 are really hard. Uh, for me, it's uh, fits of rage. Um, I can take it for a while, but then I get really angry um, at the end. These are things that are in us, aren't they? What do you struggle with most? And then there are the, the, the people who struggle with the next category of sin, substance abuse, drunkenness, and orgy. Some of us drink far, more, more, uh, far too much, far more than we should, and it leads to things that shouldn't, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't engage in. So what, which part do you um, identify with? And if you start wondering... As you read this list, you go, well, I'm far too much like this. And if you do start wondering whether you are a Christian or not, listen carefully to this passage because it, it is very encouraging for all of us. Look how Paul started this passage in, pa- in, in page 16, in verse 16. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, 
so that you are not to do whatever you want. You see, Paul is saying that you've become a Christian, that you've become a Christian is precisely the fact that you have two very strong conflicting desires in you. You have the desire to please the Spirit, to walk by the Spirit. But then he says, you also have this desire to please the flesh. And this is specifically a Christian problem, a problem those, uh, with those who have the Spirit. Sure, non-Christians have conflicts of, of conscience. But there's something that is different in a Christian there is this both heightened sense of awareness for our sins and a love to become more like Christ. In fact, I suspect that as you grow older in your Christian life, this will not go away. It might actually grow stronger in you as you become more aware of your sins, as you become your desire to be more like Christ becomes even greater in your life. This is an evidence that the Spirit has been working in you. And the Spirit will not let us go until He has made us holy and completely like Jesus Christ. This battle will continue for the rest of our lives, for all of us. But the victory is guaranteed because God sent the Spirit in us. This is why John can say, if you are a Christian, you will not keep on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him, he says. Because, this is because, because you have been given the Spirit, you are guaranteed to be like Christ. You are guaranteed to make progress throughout your life as you abide in Christ and walk by the Spirit. And you are guaranteed to be, become completely like Christ when Jesus comes back and glorifies us. We will make progress as Christians. So if you're discouraged today... If you think, why am I like this today? Be confident that this is normal. That battle is normal. And Christ guarantees victory. The Spirit guarantees victory in you. A preacher named Richard Kirk in England put it this way, that in a garden you will have both... Um, you will have both... Uh, uh, roses as well as the weeds... It will produce both. On this side of the creation, we will have both the fruit and all the fruit of the Spirit um, and all the, uh, the things that come out, work of the flesh. But don't give up. And the reason why we shouldn't give up is partly because of this. Not all gardens are equal, are they? You walk into some garden, you think, wow, this is a great garden with very little weed and a lot of uh, beautiful flowers. And then there are gardens that are uh, not very well tended to. The flowers and the, the fruits sickly, and there's a lot of other things um, growing there. No, two gardens are not exactly the same. And if you ask, what's the difference? The difference is how, the, how well the gardener takes care of the garden. Does the gardener pull out the weeds? Does he water it? Does he take care of it? See, if you are a Christian, people who have the Spirit, you will bear the fruit of the Spirit. You will. Because that's the power of the Spirit. But 
that doesn't mean that we are all the same, and that doesn't mean that this just happens without our participation. Difference is how we use the freedom. In differences in how we use the freedom that the Spirit has given um, given to us, how we apply that freedom, and that's what the whole chapter five has has been about. It says uh, Paul wrote last week, uh, this week, verse sixteen: "Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh." He says. Walk by the Spirit with the freedom that Christ has given you. The Spirit has given you. Walk by the Spirit. And he puts it slightly differently in verse 25. Take a look there. He says, he says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The picture that Paul gives is literally that the Spirit has sort of drawn a line. He has drawn a line in our hearts. He has come and given us, prompted us to be a certain way, to obey the law, to, to love, uh, uh, love him and love others. He has give, given, uh, given us this line in us. But he says, keep in step with the Spirit. You have to follow the leading of the Spirit. Once again, that you have the Spirit shows us that you will be you are justified freely by the grace of Christ. That the Spirit leads you in this way shows that you are already saved. But in order for you to experience that freedom of walking in the Spirit, in order for us to become more and more like Christ, we need to walk by the Spirit. Sanctification requires work. It requires effort. It requires conscious decision to follow Jesus Christ. We're free. As he said last week in verse 13, we are free. But do not use your freedom to indulge your sinful nature. Use your freedom to love. Use your freedom to serve. Use your freedom by following the Spirit, Spirit's guidance. And Paul makes this point, I think, very clear um, in this way. If you, ter- if you have your Bibles, um, turn to Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Because this is one of the greatest passages in Galatians 2.20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. What a great image. We have been crucified with Christ. We have died with Christ. Our relationship with God has been determined not by our own works, but what Jesus has done for us. We have been crucified with him. Um, But this is in passive uh, tense. I have been crucified. But take a look at how Paul puts it in today's text, 524. He says there, chapter 5, verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with with its passions and and desires. The tone there is active. It's present perfect. We have been crucified. We have been crucified. It has happened in the past, but it's happening again and again and again in the present tense, and it will happen again and again and again until we die. We need to put to death our sinful nature and we need to actively participate in it. It It's got to be deliberate. And from this image of I have been crucified or we are crucifying, 
our desires, sinful desires on the, on the cross. Paul gives us three points um, out of this imagery that I think is really helpful. So let me share it with you. He says, we need to be ruthless in our works of sanctification. Ruthless. Think about what crucifixion was and how terrible it was. It was reserved for the most terrible and heinous crimes, criminals. Only the worst and the scum of the earth were crucified. And this is why it was so scandalous that Jesus, Jesus was crucified. But uh, what he's saying, Paul's saying, in crucifying our sinful desires, he's saying that our sinful desires are that terrible things that need to be crucified. We can't enjoy our sins. We can't fondle our sins. We can't think about uh, these sins in any good way. We need to develop this hatred against the sins, sinful desires in ourselves. We cannot entertain ideas of enjoying sin. These are heinous things that need to be crucified. He says also that we should expect this process of sanctification to be painful, to keep something on the cross. To, that was a painful thing. Um, even the death of sinful self is, will be painful. So don't expect the process of sanctification to come easily. It will require work. It will require pain from you. It will be painful. Not enjoying the things that we once enjoyed is painful. Leaving our selfish ambition is painful. Forgiving people when we really don't want to is painful. It will require pain. It will be painful. But we need to do this. We need to crucify our sinful desires. And finally, John says um, uh, we need to be decisive in our decision to crucify our sinful desires. Once you have made the decision to put to death our, to our sinful nature, you cannot look back. He puts it this way. Although death by crucifixion was a lingering death, it took a long time, it was a certain death. People who were crucified died. True Christians do not succeed in completely destroying it, that is the flesh, while here below, but they have fixed it to the cross, and they are determined to keep it there until it expires. We have crucified the flesh. We are never going to draw the nails. He says we must be determined to keep our sinful uh, desires on the cross. We nev must never be tempted to draw the nails out and bring it down from the cross. We must be decisive in our decision to put to death our sinful desires. Um, it was funny because uh, I was an uh, educator in the U.S., and I thought for a long time that Americans won the, the World War II, at least in the European side. I was taught that, you know, when America went into Europe with the uh, you know, whole D-Day and things like that, that it was, it was Americans who won the war. And it was really funny because uh, as I was walking down, um, uh, uh, somebody was in the 930 service was saying, actually, I learned that, uh, I thought that that was the case. But when I moved to England, um, the English people told, told, told me that England won the World War II. Um, uh, there is a lot of truth to these wars, um, uh, you know, many countries fighting these wars, but there's one country that was totally and absolutely committed to winning Second World War in Europe. That was Russia. And they did it with great cost. 
they were determined to win. They knew that they didn't have the technology, they didn't have the military might. What they had was numbers. So they sent floods of soldiers uh, to fight the Germans on the Eastern Front. They were so committed to winning and fighting this war that, you know, soldiers who tried to desert, to try to go home, were shot on the spot. People, soldiers who faked injury, who maybe, you know, shot themselves or something in order to disqualify themselves from fighting in the war, were shot, were executed. They shot their own because they wanted, they were committed to winning. In terms of military casualties, it's astonishing the number of Russians that died. The greatest number of military casualties in World War II is Soviet Union, sorry, Russia. 8.6 to 10.9 million, this is soldiers who died. And there are many, many millions more uh, civilians who died. Besides Germany, the number two uh, casualty in the Western uh, Western country, uh, was the United States. About 400,000 people who died. I mean, it pales in comparison. And Europe is perhaps most indebted to Russia for winning that war. I mentioned all of this just to say that we must be decisive in our commitment to crucify our sinful desires. It will be painful. It will take a toll. But these are terrible, heinous things that need to go, that, need, that must be crucified. So as we close, let me quickly summarize. This isn't just about... Christian life is not about cosmetic changes. It's not making our appearances better. It is about rebirth in the Holy Spirit, being reborn. It's not something that we do. It's something that God does by sending us the Spirit in us. But now that Spirit has been sent, as you put your faith in Christ Jesus, we must Walk by the leading of the Spirit. We must use the newfound freedom that frees us from bondage to sin, to desires of the Spirit. We must walk by the Spirit. That will be painful. It will be hard. And this will last for the rest of our lives until we die, until Jesus or Jesus Christ comes back. But the victory is promised to each one of us because we have the Spirit. Because Jesus died and rose again and made receiving the Spirit possible. And the Spirit has been deposit guaranteeing what's to come in the future. And as we walk by the Spirit, we will experience the freedom of the Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, we give you great praise and thanks that our Christian life is not something that we do alone and by ourselves with our own effort. But Lord, we thank you that the Christian life has started as we put our faith in, in, in your son Jesus and you have breathed a new spirit in us. Thank you for the new desires that you have placed in our hearts. Thanks for, thank you for the, the work of the Spirit that helps us to be aware of the conflict that is in us, but also the promise that the fruit of the Spirit will be born in our life. 
But Lord, help us to use our freedom rightly. Help us not to indulge in our sinful nature, but to walk by the Spirit, to keep in step with the Spirit. Help us to experience that freedom each day. In Jesus' name, amen.